Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, podcast listeners. Today on Stock Market Observation, ARC continues to be interesting. And needless to say, these articles, I believe, are going to make Friday a little bit more interesting for you, for for those of you who are currently listening today. First, we're going to be talking about more news on Twitter. Apparently, there has been some recent hiring freezes along with two leaders to depart from Twitter currently with Musk takeover bid. Now, granted, some of the news might be have already changed since this, but it's still going to be a topic we need to talk about today. Ford also is being told recently in a news article that Ford to disclose directors, race, and gender, and how this could be a potential trend in the making soon for companies to release these statements. We're going to be talking about Bitcoin because Bitcoin is having the biggest drop I've currently seen in a very long time. In fact, we'll, it's going to be even interesting to talk about how Janet Yellen is looking into this as well. And finally, we're going to be talking about how Sri Lanka, a little tiny nation off the coast of India, is potentially going to fall. And what does that mean potentially for markets? With that being said, guys, I have to remind you all that I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. I cannot give you financial advice on what you need to do for your investment portfolio. Please talk to a professional advisor before making financial decisions, as they probably know your situation a lot better than I do. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and for news information for those who wish to seek it out. Let's begin today's podcast. Twitter CEO says two leaders to depart, hiring pause amid Musk takeover. Ooh, it's finally happening. I said recently that they should start getting rid of potentially the people on the board, but this is a good start, even though it doesn't sound like it's the board. Two senior Twitter leaders who oversee the consumer and revenue divisions will depart the social media company, Chief Executive Officer Pireg told employees in a memo on Thursday. And one of the biggest shakeups at the company since the billionaire Elon Musk announced he would buy it for $44 billion. Uh, Argarwal also said in a memo, which was seen by Reuters, that Twitter would pause more most, hire, most hiring and review all listing job offers to determine whether any should be pulled back. He attributed the decision in part because Twitter was not able to hit user growth and revenue milestones to maintain confidence that it could reach aggressive growth targets it had set in 2020. Quote, we are we need to continue to be intentional about our team's hiring and cost. The company was targeting 7.5 billion in annual revenue, 350 million daily users by the end of 2023, but withdrew those goals in its recent earning reports. I have to say... It's a kind of a good day, at least for uh, for those of us who sometimes use Twitter. I mean, I use Twitter to post about my uh, podcast whenever it comes out. If you do want to follow me, it is tri- it's 13vball for my Twitter account. But that being said too, guys, it's also interesting to point out that this is finally happening. I still think the board of directors need to be let go and the CEO potentially needs to be let go if Elon Musk does buy the company. Obviously, there's reports now going around saying that Elon is not going to buy the company. 
I don't believe that one bit. I think Elon still is going to buy the company. I think he's going to turn things around for Twitter in the end. Last thing to talk about in this article about Twitter, it says that that some that the people that they're getting rid of, it says Kavon, who led Twitter's consumer division, and Bruce Fallack, who oversaw revenue, both tweeted on Thursday that their departures were not their decisions. And one quote says, uh, Pereg asked me to leave after letting me know that he wants to take the team in a different direction. And then uh, the other guy, uh, Bake Poor, tweeted, adding he was still on parental leave from Twitter. And quote, I, I clarified that I too was fired. Uh, Follick said, though he appeared to later delete the tweet. So these people are going to be slowly let go. Hiring freezes. I mean, I feel sorry for the people who did recently apply for Twitter and probably got job offers. And now they're being potentially not going to get hired. I mean, stuff like this happens sometimes in corporate media or just in general in the market. But it's good to see that there will be changes in the making. Like I said, I still believe the board needs to be let go completely. But that's not my decision. That's Elon's at the end of the day. On to the next article. Top Wall Street firms afford to disclose directors' race and gender. From Rudders. Four top Wall Street firms and Ford Motors Company will start to disclose the race and gender of individual directors under deals reached with New York City pension officials. The city uh, comptroller, Brad Lander, said on Thursday, while the utility company had pushed back on the idea. According to a representative for Lander, the companies, which included JPMorgan Chase, BlackRock Inc., Morgan Stanley, and Goldman Sachs Group, in addition to Ford, will provide the self-identity disclosures of race, ethnicity, and gender. Such person-by-person disclosures are becoming more common as tables and annual corporate proxy statements as companies look to show investors their concern for boardroom and workforce diversity. However, not all boardrooms have embraced the idea. Lander's statement said that the city's pension funds have filed a shareholder resolution with NextAir Energy, Inc., calling for similar disclosures. But for NextAir has recommended investors vote against the idea at the company annual shareholding meeting for May 19th. In a proxy statement, NextAir said it has already pushed details about skills of individual directors and infographs showing the overall diversity statistics about the board. I'm curious about this. I mean, I didn't think about this at all yesterday, but I was going through some proxy statements for my own stocks that I'm currently invested in, and I actually did start seeing this trend appear. I didn't think about it at first, and then I read this article and got a better idea. But this also made me wonder some things, too. I mean, diversity can be a good thing. Diversity helps you understand different areas of life. Like for instance, if I, let's just use Target, for example. Target, if you have a diverse board, you'll be able to get to many different people because you want people to come in for, to buy your products at a Target store. The more people come to Target, the more profits you make, okay? That's just the example for Target. But then there's other issues that at least I'm thinking about diverse boards. In fact, in my current research, I found an article from Columbia Law, and it had to do with how sometimes there is a downside for diversity, at least potentially for boards. And they, they say the following, diversity in corporate boards is a hot topic. We contribute to the debate on the role of diversity by empirically documenting that greater national culture diversity in corporate boards lend, leads to lower 
performance is that the UK firms accounting for more than 95% of the market's value of the London Stock Exchange listed companies. The negative impact is economically significant with a reduction in return on equity of 1.43% for firms with higher levels of cultural diversity um, versus firms with lower levels of cultural diversity. Why do we observe such a strong negative relationship? Okay. Now, they go into details. In the academic literature for diversity, it's often referred to as a double-edged sword, meaning it could have a positive, negative effects. In terms of positive attributes, diversity is seen as a means to bring different perspectives to the board, which will ultimately lead to a better decision-making. In the case of cultural diversity, these different perspectives may refer to difference in worldviews, different approaches to problem-solving, and also variations in market-specific and cultural knowledge. In terms of negative attribution, diversity creates communication difficulties and may lead to personal clashes. Uh, Let's see. Differences in point of views may be interpreted as personal attacks or promotion of hidden agendas, which may lead to reduced effort and commitment to the group. In addition, diversity may reduce trust. These negative aspects are observed in the context of cultural diversity, where trust among members of the same culture is highly and then among members from different cultures. I think diversity can be a good thing, but it does have problems sometimes. Let's talk it from the company side of view, okay? There are several possible reasons why companies don't address the negative side effects of culture diversity. First, in multicultural teams, conflicts may be hard to identify as culture differences are not easily observed. Second, diversity is generally assumed to be a good thing and positive aspects of diversity are often promoted by media, shareholders, and regulators. For instance, the 2014 UK Corporate Governance Code um, articulates the importance of diversity beyond gender and race. Firms may try to improve their public image and confirm to the public expectations by adopting more cultural diverse boards. Indeed, over the sample period in in our study, we observed that the percentage of firms with at least one foreign national board member increased from 57% in 2002 to 72% in 2014. Fortunately, the news is not all bad. Further analysis shows that the negative effects disappear in firms that have a high need for cultural diversity because, for example, they have large amounts of foreign sales or operations abroad. We have also observed that firms that operate in many different business segments do not um, experience the negative effect of cultural diversity, suggesting that the advantage of having different knowledge sets required to run complex businesses offset the negative aspects associated with cultural diversity. Okay. Right there, that proves right there that sometimes diversity can work out, okay? Not going to fully discredit the diversity thing at all, but there are things to think about. Let's look at Boeing, for example. I'm a firm believer that Boeing's issues are stemmed to potentially mismanagement. And the Boeing board, I believe, is pretty diverse now. Now, granted, Boeing has been hiring a diverse board. I will give them that, but their diversity knowledge tends to look like it's not in the right sector. Just looking at the board of directors earlier before this article, there were people from former boards of like, I think healthcare companies, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously some of the board are former engineers. I mean, for Boeing in particular, you'd want engineers on your board most likely, to get things going. Obviously, if you have foreign sales, Boeing does have foreign sales. Diversity helps with them in that regard because it makes you understand different cultures and different backgrounds. 
But at the end of the day, you got to be able to hire still the right people. And like I said, I'm not trying to discredit diverse boards. I personally don't really care at the end of the day. If you want to post about how your board's diverse, so be it. They got to do what they got to do. I'm still curious though in the long run what this is going to do for companies. And so I want to be able to keep keeping an eye out for this because to me, it's a fascinating discussion that's going to be making in the future. Does diversity boards help companies or does it not? And so we should keep an eye out for that and see what happens going forward. I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what will happen, but it's still something to think about at the end of the day because, I mean, Columbia is saying that it can be good, but at the same time, it can be bad. I mean, communication is key to everything. And since communication is key, I'm curious to know how these board meetings are going to go going forward. So keep an eye on that for that for that guys. It's it's going to be interesting, but exciting at the same time to see what happens to companies with this going forward. Onto the crypto markets, okay? More than 200 billion erased from an entire crypto market in a day of sell-off intense as sell-off intensifies, okay? Now granted this was yesterday with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is about a little bit under 30,000 last I checked, but it's still baffling to see what's happening in the crypto markets currently. Bitcoin fell below 26,000 for the first time in 16 months amid a broader sell-off in cryptocurrencies that erased more than 200 billion from the entire market in a single day. The price of Bitcoin plunged as low as $25,401.29 on Thursday, according to CoinMetrics. That marks the first time the cryptocurrencies has sunk below the 26,000 level since December 26 of 2020. Bitcoin has since uh, paired its losses and its last trading at $28,569.25, down 2.9%. Ethereum, the second biggest digital currency, tanked as low as $1,704.05 per coin. It's the first time the token has fallen beneath the 2,000 mark since June of 2021. Ether was down 8.8% at the price at $1,937.88. Now, crypto is still an interesting topic to be talking about. We just talked about a couple of days ago how El Salvador has bought 500 Bitcoins and it's on their balance sheet for a nation, okay? We also know that Central Africa is starting to accept Bitcoin more as well. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we've also talked about that Panama is trying to make Bitcoin, Ethereum, and like six other coins, if I'm not mistaken, legal tenders within the country as well. So... Makes me wonder if El Salvador is going to buy up more Bitcoin potentially. Don't know. Is the Bitcoin phase just a phase? Don't know. Do people see it as a potential investment? Maybe. I mean, it is an inflation hedge if they keep printing money potentially. And there's only so many Bitcoins that they're going to be able to make before there's potential high demand and less supply. But it says here, panic in the crypto market has Janet Yellen's attention. From CNN Business in London, investors in stocks, bonds, and commodities are all on edge right now. But in the market for cryptocurrencies, unease has morphed into full-on panic, catching the attention of regulators in Washington tasked with maintaining financial stability. What's happening? As of last Friday, the price of Bitcoin has plunged almost 50% from its all-time highest traders. Concerned about whether the Federal Reserve uh, bid to fight inflation could tip the economy into a recession, dumped risky investments. But in the recent days, the 
the implosion of TerraUSD, a high-profile crypto experiment, has fueled a deeper anxiety. On Thursday, Tether, a popular stablecoin billed as a safe place for crypto investors as a park their, as a to park their cash, broke its peg to the U.S. dollar, unleashing further alarm. The price of Bitcoin fell as low as $26,350. Quote, if we see this continue for multiple days, we'll start to get pretty concerned, pretty worried. A crypto analysis, a digital assets broker, global block. The implications are just so large, it's just unknown. I mean, I don't get why Janet Yellen would be looking at this. I mean... I think Janet Yellen once said something along the lines of just like people are going to buy crypto. I mean, I could be wrong on that. I mean, it, it was so long ago that she was talking about crypto, but it says here why this matters. This may seem very in the weeds. Crypto assets, after all, continue to make up a very small part of the broad financial system. But powerful people like the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen are paying attention, fearful that the situation can create a nasty, and unpredictable aftershock for invent- investors of all stripes. Quote, a stablecoin known as TerraUSD experienced a run and has declined in value, Yellen said, when she testified before the Senate earlier this week. I think the simple I think that simply illustrates that this is a rapid growing product and that there are risks to financial stability. To be fair, as we've learned on this podcast so far, there's no such thing as financial stability. I mean, look look at we we've talked about this in the past. Russia and Ukraine, okay? It's the Russia-Ukraine war has caused financial instability within the markets because a lot of fertilizer comes from Russia for the world to be able to produce food, and a lot of food products come from Ukraine. So at the end of the day, there's no such thing as financial stability, okay? Even in the crypto markets, there's no such thing as financial stability at all. Crypto is crypto. People are still going to invest in crypto if they believe in the token or if they believe in the blockchain technology that's behind it at the end of the day. I'm no expert in crypto, but I can understand why someone would want to invest more in crypto than in the U.S. dollar at the end of the day due to the fact that the U.S. government could just keep printing money and Bitcoin not so much. It requires a math code to actually make the digitalized token. I mean... The other thing too that people always make the argument is like, well, you have to, you can't really hold the cash. Well, the the numbers in your bank are digitalized as well. And at the same time, if you use your iPhone or your Android and you use any of the the payment systems, that's digital as well. So, I mean, Janet Yellen's really making a big deal out of nothing about this, but at the, it's just interesting to be able to see. I mean. It's, it's just part of investing in general. You're just dealing with market swings all the time. Last thing we need to talk about, Sri Lanka. Now, why would I be talking about Sri Lanka? I mean, there's a potential for Sri Lanka to collapse. And my first thought was like, oh, great. Wall Street's going to freak out, potentially. I mean, it's just a tiny island. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. But I still find it interesting to be able to talk about because... Literally, if I hear any company say, well, it's because of the collapse of Sri Lanka, I'm literally just going to be like, okay, this company just really screwed up on sales during their quarter. It says here, Sri Lanka protests call for new government a day after clashes kill eight. This article is from May 10th, so about three days ago. The country of 22 million amid worst economic crisis in history. Military police free to detain people without arrest warrants. 
more than 200 injured in clashes that promoted Prime Minister resignation. IMF say loan talks to continue amid government transition. Protesters and key trade groups in Sri Lanka called for a new government to take control of the crisis hit country on Tuesday while the president asked for calm following clashes that claimed eight lives and promoted his brother to quit as prime minister. Sri Lanka has been suffering its worst economic crisis in history with several shortages of foreign exchange stalling essential imports, including drugs and fuel. For months, its its towering economy has been largely supported by India, which has provided assistance in more than $3.5 billion as the country began much delayed talks with the International Monetary Fund. It's funny because that same fund, I believe, told El Salvador not to get involved with Bitcoin, if I'm not mistaken, for a rescue package that has sought help from China. China and India have long uh, jostled for influence over Sri Lanka, a strategic located island situated off the southern tip of India with a population of 22 million people. But the public's patience ran out Monday after ruling party supporters attacked an anti-government protest camp in the commercial capital, Colombo, triggering a bout bout of clashes in which eight people died and more than 200 were injured. Other articles said, Ukraine war brings crisis to Sri Lanka, opportunity for India. More than two years after the COVID-19 pandemic started, Sri Lanka this week found themselves again barred from going out in public places, including roads, railroads, railways, public recreation grounds, and seashores without written government permission. But the curfew has nothing to do with public health. Instead, it is a desperate attempt to quell unrest amid economic turmoil, which has been seen the prime minister as a cabinet resigned parliament attack multiple deaths and worries about a military crackdown. With food and... (laughs) I'm glad to see that they're going through this too. With food and fuel prices skyrocketing following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, almost every country faces a cost of living crisis with mounting political implications. Nowhere... Is that more true than in South Asia, where it has toppled governments in both Pakistan and now Sri Lanka? In both cases, that brings stark geopolitical implications, endangering more than a decade of expansion, investment, engagement from China. As the primary economic uh, backer of both countries, Beijing now finds they, finds both that they, Oh, finds both they, that doesn't make any sense. Anyways, Beijing finds both they and the political elite in promote face a black backlash, particularly against the repayment of debts. That leaves China risk losing both power and enormous sums of money and rival India's scenting opportunity. Sri Lanka, I mean, like I said, is not that big of a deal, potentially. I mean, maybe India becomes the better power at the end soon. But what becomes interesting with Sri Lanka, if you actually Google to figure out what comes from Sri Lanka, about 52% of Sri Lanka's exports go are in the textile industry. And a lot of that goes to the United States. In fact, if you actually are to look up those numbers, if I'm not mistaken, it's like they export 52% textiles 17 percent is tea and then the rest is like electronics or other stuff so according to expert.gov uh sri lanka their their gdp reached about 88.7 billion per capita and gdp was 4100 in 2018 this is after 30 years of civil war. Sri Lanka's economy is transitioning from a predominantly rule-based economy towards a more urbanized economy oriented around manufacturing and services. 
The country has made significant progress in the socioeconomic and human development indication and ranks among the highest in South Asia. Sri Lanka's export economy is dominated by apparel and cash crop exports, mainly tea, but technology service exports are significantly growth sector. I believe I read somewhere that they that they make a lot of medical equipment as well too. Uh, so that might make things a little bit more difficult if Sri Lanka were to collapse. But I mean, it's not like if it were like China to collapse, that'd be a huge issue. I mean, it's just a little tiny island off, uh, off of India. But let's let's just play that scenario real quick because Wall Street gets jittery jitters a lot on anything like this. Okay. Let's say Sri Lanka does collapse. How's Wall Street going to react? Depending on what's happening in the market that day could determine a lot of things. Maybe Wall Street freaks out and the market goes into sell-off mode again. Or it collapses and Wall Street doesn't bat an eye. Don't know. A lot of market factors could determine what happens in Wall Street soon. From the U.S. government real quick. And, and this is how we'll end today's article about Sri Lanka. This works real quick, which is not working. So in the U.S. government side, it says that other materials that come in from Sri Lanka are rubber, soybeans, dairy products, wheats, clothes, and textiles. The total U.S. deficit in goods with Sri Lanka was $2.3 billion in 2018, an 8.6% decrease from 2017. U.S. imports from Sri Lanka are mostly apparel, but also include rubber and the things I just mentioned. I'm still curious to know how Wall Street's going to react if Sri Lanka collapses and forms a new government at the end of the day. I mean, Wall Street has a tendency of freaking out over the tiniest of details, okay? We raise interest rates, they freak out. They don't raise interest rates, they freak out. I mean, I don't think Sri Lanka's really going to make a huge impact if things were to collapse, but I, I still want to know how Wall Street's going to react at the end of the day. Because Wall Street has a lot of jitters right now. And to me, it's just insane. But keep an eye out for potentially Sri Lanka too, guys. It's going to be interesting. Will a new government form? Will things get better in the Sri Lanka area? Who knows? Or maybe the instability allows another country to take over. I hope not. I, I ugh, That would be terrible at the end of the day. I don't see that really happening, but you never know. But with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to be able to understand a little bit more about how markets are affected potentially with these news articles that come out. But with that being said, guys, I ask that if you have enjoyed it, that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about these news articles that are coming out and what's happening potentially in the markets. Please also share with friends and family as if you think they would find this interesting as well, because the more we get the word out about this podcast, the more we can be able to keep talking about these things. And who knows, maybe one day we'll be able to add more segments to this podcast, but it's up to you guys at the end of the day. I'd like to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, guys. Thank you and goodbye.